Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to yet another episode of the BTV Podcast. We've been away for a while. I have for sure. Uh, but I am back uh, with a very great friend of mine, uh, Toodle uh, Gunner. And I am happy to introduce him to you. What a legendary man he is. He had... Okay, I'll, you know what? I'm not going to give you the introduction. I'll let him introduce himself the way he, he sees fit. Uh, hey, Toodle. How are you doing? I'm good. By the way, legendary. Huh? <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. Thank no. you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I know you well enough to, to uh, give you that you know, give you that um, adjective. So that's all well-deserved, mm-hmm. for sure. All right, Turl, uh, so why don't you give us a very brief but uh, comprehensive background about yourself, um, the way you see yourself um, from your academic background, personally. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, I will start with when everything changed in my life. Um, oh. I was like, was not cared about anything before like last year of my high school so i was like uh, playing video games going out like uh, playing soccer Mm -hmm. and the classes were like i wasn't i had zero interest at all but i I, one day i I was reading a lot i was like i was kind of reading lots of different books different type of books mostly like fantasy books like um Dragonland series, Forgotten Realms. Uh, it all started with the Lord of Rings, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but that was a, also another story. My father, like, I gave that present to me, like a Lord of Rings book, but the second book. He just grabbed a random book from there, probably. Like, he just grabbed the second book, and then I, oh, what's this? Like, let me read the first one. Then I started with the Lord of Rings. Okay. Um, but. Back then, I was reading this Dan Brown's book called Demons and Angels, or vice versa, right. Angels and Demons. Angels. I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm not sure. yeah. uh, actually, I actually mean, haven't read the book, but I've watched the movie. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I've also watched the movie, but I don't know. Like, it was a good book. Uh, I'm not sure, but the, the thing that just like was interesting to me when they were talking about like antimatter. Mm. So I just like stuck at that point like oh my god what is this like i never heard of this before antimatter like i wasn't even interested in physics okay oh so you weren't interested no 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 but antimatter was like something changed what i never heard of this before and i realized that i mean we have lots of things we don't know Mm. that was the like a break point in my life okay we are we are just pretending that we are we know stuff that based on our observations uh these are like a micro macro systems that we are observing daily like mostly like uh being like a newton of dust we all know so we we just aware of that like i mean if you drop something it just falls down like it's a gravity i mean like this kind of stuff but i that was something different Mm -hmm. you can't observe it you need to be in that field to know what is antimatter so uh, then right. that was a, some kind of like a break point in my life. Okay, then I started to read a um, couple of things about it. Then I noticed that, oh my God, this is something else. There's another world in the inside of this, like um, like quantum mechanics, even though I had no idea what quantum mechanics is, but I was like reading uncertainty principles. Something is not clear, but something sounds or like, interesting like oh my god what's happening here like the universe is not we like observe is something more and more i mean then 
last year in my high school, I developed interest in the physics, as you expect. Like uh, then I was like, for the uh, my bachelor degree, I have to study physics, okay. and I have to I have to become a theoretical physics physicist. I mean, because I really wanted to understand everything. Uh, that 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 didn't happen, of course. Uh, but I, I, I'm gonna mention that I'm gonna talk about it soon. So okay. I, in, in in my country, for for bachelor degree, you have to take an exam, and after the exam, you 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 need to write the university and the discipline, like uh, this university physics, uh, this university, for example, um, electrics ah, and electronics okay, engineering. So to give a slight background, so when uh, you're originally from uh, Turkey. Mm -hmm. So you 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 did your bachelor's there. Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, my master's and PhD there too. But right. so so you have a limits, of course. So you can just write twenty university and twenty uh, different uh, disciplines. So I wrote mm -hmm. physics for all of them uh, because I was like obsessed. So <laughs> yeah, I were I just got into physics, um, but it was kind of disappointing. Like. Uh, Okay, I was kind of, I mostly like thinking about this ideas, thinking about how universe should work, and this kind of like a philosophical way of, uh, like a discussions. I kind of mostly like that way of it. But mathematics, uh, when it starts to become complicated, yeah, you start to lose control of your thoughts also sometimes. Like if it gets too complicated, you start to focus mostly on the mathematics to solve that problem. Yeah. You're getting away from your first idea and you can find yourself um, with into different concepts, different mathematical tools. Of course, it can guide you different uh, discoveries, of course, but uh, yeah. you need to you need to have that skill to have fun with this mathematics. Yeah. I didn't have that one. So still, I was like kind of uh, stubborn. So I wanted to do my master's degree also in physics, uh, which I <laughs> did the quantum mechanics fund, fund, fundamentals, which was focusing on the foundations of it, like a main things, like a fundamental things. So we published a paper about quantum tunneling uh, because there, there, there was a problem about uh, estimating time in quantum mechanics and tunneling is a phenomenon that happens in time right. even though there were people that researchers like um arguing about maybe it's instantaneous maybe it's not time dependent but we found the time uh, for that which we published it was a nice uh, journey for me but then i changed my topic like very like a like a 100 well like 180 degrees like just back with like a different direction Okay. which i start to do my uh like a phd in material science and engineering it's totally you know, relevant compared you know to the, way, the way you say um it was 180 degrees deviation one would think this is a you went to arts and uh and <laughs> became a full-on artist no i'm kidding within mm. the realm of physics you did a 180 okay yeah i mean i was completely <laughs> like changed my direction like i mean um or or you can also call it 90 degrees too i mean i was just <laughs> like I, I was like spanning somewhere else um yeah i started to uh work on some applications 
uh, I was kind of materials materials scientist. I was working on polymers, um, polymer composites, uh, emissive materials. Like I was mostly working on alternative materials for the white LEDs because in LEDs, in especially white LEDs, we are using phosphors, which they contain like rare earth elements. So I was trying to develop new materials or trying to increase the efficiency of the this phosphor materials inside the tube. It was nice. It was a efficient PhD. Like I published like kind of 20 papers uh, because it's an application. It's not a theoretical physicist. So it was kind of like this highly likely like you can publish papers as long as you develop something and you show there's an increase, there's improvement, uh, it works, uh, or you even you can come up with a new material, which we were, there was like a, some, a, one kind of material was very popular back then. We even published like a couple of papers about it called halide perovskites. Um, yeah, so I was kind of like optimistic about my postdoc. Uh, because like a uh, 20 papers, so I was like, okay, I can find a good postdoc position around the world, but it didn't go that way. I applied like 600, 700 positions with the detailed wow. applications. Um, I didn't get a response from most of it. Uh, probably some, I did even send a, a second secondary email to them, but uh, probably they went unnoticed. Like um, one of them, just it, he he's a turkish professor also he's a professor in montreal um uh, montreal canada yes that's wondering. montreal in canada so that's yeah. he sent me like um the position and i offered me the postdoc position which was an amazing uh subject um it's called ultra fast electron transmission electron microscopy uh, mm -hmm. which transmission electron microscope by itself is a characterization tool that can image materials at nanoscale, um, which is like 10 to the minus, not this, like how much, like 1,000 um, lower magnitudes, higher magnitudes than the human hair, I think 1,000. It was micron, so probably around 1,000 wow. uh, smaller things from the human hair, um, even more, I don't know, like probably some that kind of scale. Mm -hmm. So we were basically imaging uh, nanomaterials at the nanoscale, like we were characterizing them, trying to understand their shape, uh, some of their properties. But this is a regular transmission electron microscopy. Ultra-fast transmission electron microscopy is where you are integrating your microscopy with laser. Mm. Now, you don't only have this imaging, you also have this uh, laser, uh, which you can also send it to your material and observe what's happening when your matter or nanoparticles are interacting with the laser mm -hmm. uh, which brings uh, we call it the time dependency for your observations which is from imaging uh, now you start to record movies and you can visualize what they are doing under uh, under some um, interaction of laser in time mm -hmm. so by the way, my professor's professor in Caltech, uh, his name was like Zevail. Uh, he like got the Nobel Prize for this invention, mostly. Wow. He got the Nobel Prize for femtochemistry, but this was the part of the invention. Mm. Um, so 
Yeah, that that in today in the world there are only four or five facilities that can do this uh, ultra fast transmission electron microscopy. It's an expensive toy. Um, after that, like I studied two and a half year in Montreal, Canada, for as a postdoc, and my second postdoc I came to Ottawa in Canada again. Uh, mm -hmm. This time uh, it is a completely different lab. It is a quantum uh, optics lab because I also like mm -hmm. I, I am enjoying it. I know I love quantum mechanics, so I came also like to learn quantum optics and. I was planning to also apply some of my AI skills. Uh, of course, I don't have any professional skills because I didn't study AI. I didn't study machine learning in any of my uh, degrees. But I, since I love uh, AI and coding, I always like during my free time mm -hmm. as a hobby. I also I tried to improve myself a lot. So mm -hmm. then I started to combine quantum optics with deep learning because in quantum optics you have noisy like results and etc so you can combine them with the deep learning etc can we can we take a step back so can you tell tell me like what is actually quantum optics like can you delve into it what does that mean okay optics is the optics oh, yeah. and the quantum but how do they go together yeah of course i cannot explain that like an expert of it because i'm no, 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 deep no. learning but and even I if you I... did i wouldn't understand so <laughs> okay <laughs> So in visual optic, it's just that um, it's the light. So you don't have to, you don't need to have a like coherency, which I mean is that like a, some kind of like coherent, uh, motion or coherent interaction of your light. Uh, like as, as a, like a physicist standpoint, it's like a, uh, how can I say like, it's not random. The photons in the light, they're not acting random they are mm -hmm. acting in a coherent way. Uh, so they have some kind of correlation between them. Yeah. So regular light is, you don't have this. You're, they are just uh, like a moving. They are just moving yeah. like in, in space time. But when you're talking about quantum optics, you need to use some kind of generator of this coherent light because light itself is not generating it with the regular light sources. Yeah. For example, we were using different crystals. You're sending your laser to these crystals. And these crystals are so special that they create coherent light, uh, which they are correlated in the momentum degree of freedom. Mm -hmm. And I mean, uh, they go into two different paths. When, uh, I mean, when you hit them with the laser, out of the crystal, you have two light paths. Yeah. One goes one direction, other goes perpendicular direction. Mm -hmm. The main uh, property of these two beam is they're entangled. Oh. Momentum entangled. So, so, if so, the, one, so the pass the crystal. Yeah, after they pass the crystal, crystal mm -hmm. generates, of course, uh, what was the efficiency of this uh, generation? Like um, 8%, 10%, maybe even wow. 20%. I mean, it's so low. It's not that high. So you, uh, you, could, you preserve... so. The, the the light that comes up the other end of it is less than 50 percent of what you actually put into it yeah of course yes of course so you have less light now but you see that their momentum in the momentum uh degree of freedom they are correlated i mean entangled right. one is plus one is exactly the same momentum with the negative uh, right. value of it what you can do is that um so 
if you observe the two beams so imagine that you you have two cameras one is observing the one of the beams other other one is observing the other beam mm -hmm. so you have um triggers for these cameras so one photon uh when one photon hits one camera it checks exactly the same time the other one grabs any photon signal so if the two photon hits the camera at the same time you're saying that okay two entangled photons arrived okay. other than that uh, you're not capturing anything these cameras are on only when two photons are uh, er er photons arrive these two different cameras at the same time mm -hmm. um, because they, they of course you you're designing your optical path in a, such a way that they like they travel the same distances yeah okay yeah, because the speed of light is constant so they have to travel the same distance mm -hmm. also there are like interesting applications of this if you put an object in one of these beams uh if you try to collect the other beam uh, it gives you the image of the object without touching it what i mean is that for example you have two beams mm -hmm. and in one of the path of one of the beams if you put an object you know that right so some of light is gonna pass some of them not because they're gonna be observed or reflected by the object yeah so other beam since they're correlated and entangled so when you get the camera when these photons are get, get the camera so they're gonna be triggered only with the other photons that are passed and reach to the other camera okay. so you're gonna have a kind of image of the object with the other beam which has nothing on this path i mean this kind of stuff this is called ghost imaging maybe i just ghost it so bad that yeah. I mean... no 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 i think i think so yeah yeah no keep going yeah Good. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it was like I was kind of trying to develop a deep learning algorithm to make the resulting images uh, better, increase the resolution of it, because you can guess that they're very noisy. Right? Is, they're very noisy. Yeah, no, it was a nice yeah. trend. Uh, also, uh, I was enjoying working with the group and professor. But so like last year. Yes, not this year, right? No, this year, this year, not last year. So I just got an right. offer. These days, from... uh, it's really hard to keep track of time. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, thanks to COVID. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I received an offer from a company, which is not related to my research background. I started to work as a machine learning operations engineer, uh, which I used my skills that I developed uh, during my free time which I yeah. was considering them as my hobbies. Yeah. Yeah, that's a kind of story. I mean, I I, I am kind of like, also like, not because only that was just happened in that way, not because of that, but also kind of like jumping from subject to subject. Uh, because, yeah. um, I mean, there are lots of things to learn. And yeah. I know I'm not gonna be able to learn everything that I want to learn but still I'm trying to do my best to learn yeah there's a I think there's a huge degree of attention people give to um you know specializing in something which is like of course important I'm not uh, debating the significance of that but I think uh sometimes it gets missed how how good it is to actually do these jumps 
bit between like uh, in between topics uh, in that it gives you a broader sense of um, understanding because sometimes some knowledge that you gain in a um, one field although it's not necessarily you're not a specialized you're not an expert in that field per se but then um, it can that knowledge can be analogous in a different field so it gives you some sort of perspective I feel at least that's my personal I, I had a similar uh, I have a similar experience and, and, and I even for, for my uh, academic background I had a similar experience I didn't know really what I want to study so I really liked physics I really like um, can, you know, computer science, programming, software engineering. Um, I don't know. I, I liked philosophy. I liked psychology. I liked, you know, um, I even liked mo uh, cinema. Like I, I still do. Uh, photography, cinematography. So it took me a long while to land on where I landed ultimately. But so, yeah, I, I did jump around quite a bit too. And I, I think it is important not to discount it. Um, although specialization is very important, again, I'm not doubting that, but I think sometimes when we focus, oh yeah, you have to specialize, it's, um, um, what do they say? There's a good saying, uh, um, yeah, I don't remember the saying, but something, something, and then master of none. Um, anywho, <laughs> yeah, so it means like you're, you're, you know so many things, but then you're not a master in any of them. And they say that in a in a in a in a negative derogatory, not derogatory, but in a negative way with a negative connotation, meaning it's a bad thing. And I understand they're saying, okay, mastery is important. Of course, it is. But one of the things you can master is how to learn uh, different things. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that is also important. Anyways, sorry uh, to cut you off, but mm. I just wanted to. Yeah, but you're uh, right. I think I learn how to learn uh, during all of this time. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. And and how to think. How to think. Because um, again, when you when you become a master in one very narrow specific field, then you're very comfortable learning things in that field, but not necessarily in other fields, and you get used to and accustomed to thinking a certain way, but not another. Um, um, if you will, your neural pathways are very much aligned with a certain thing, and I guess in in in, in AI, you're saying you're kind of like memorizing that 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 that. that the uh the training set right you're overfitting in a way so mm -hmm. that's that's the, that's the, that's the danger with with uh over mastering in a very narrow field i think it's it's my um from from a, per a personal perspective of course it's not going to harm anybody per se but it can harm you uh mentally not uh physically yeah. i mean but yes. the other side of it is like okay then the other than that like here's a you also can there's also risk that you can be like um underfitting i mean yeah. like it's like you can have some generalization issue too i mean you can sure. stay like a um not overfitting sense but um kind of you can stay like a generalized way how can i describe like you don't have, for example, for myself, uh, I have some confidence issues too. So I never, I in my life, I never think I am one hundred percent sure yeah. of anything. Yeah, no, maybe that's the issue. If I if I got an expert yeah. on some kind of special, if I have some kind of specialty, if I study or work on something like twenty years, maybe I can build that confidence at that level. But yeah, I, it's tricky. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. I, I, it's very tricky. I think I agree with you. I, I don't. I don't think I know. I'm. I can be a hundred percent. Like, 
I will never give that number 100. I'm 100% sure. I'm gonna, even if I'm really 100% sure, I'll always <laughs> say I'm 99.999% sure. Yeah. And okay, but um, maybe that's part of it. Uh, but but it's a tricky line though. There's a very fine line between between uh, confidence and arrogance. I think, and mm. and that's another issue that arises. Like um, you know, when you're too much of an expert in something, you're one of the very few in the world who knows something about something then then the ego plays a role and then sometimes it seems it may seem like confidence but it is actually arrogance um and we we see that like i mean in academia there's plenty of it of course in in industry there's plenty of it there's everywhere like there's plenty of it right so yeah i know i i confidence aside you you need to like grow your confidence and all that of course you not you personally but any like the rhetorical you and any individual needs to grow their confidence of course but then there's also another um aspect of it that i think um you know i i like the fact that i am i remain not a hundred percent sure on things because i always give myself room to self-correct to admit that i was wrong to because like for example otherwise you become like these politicians like they're uh, clearly they're not even sure like they're not even like if if you talk to them in person in in, in a back room with nobody listening no microphones no nothing with their buddies for example they're going to be like yeah i I don't know maybe maybe but then but then they come out and you know say with such confidence because that's how they have to play the game of politics right um but then again you but then that makes them not able to self uh, sorry uh course correct you know acknowledge mistakes so i think the fact that you're you myself included uh, like we are you know not um how do we say this not i'm not saying we're not sure but we we leave room for error or mistake uh, because that's how i look at it uh it's uh, even if i am very much um comfortable in the field let's put the word expert or master aside even if i'm very comfortable in the field and i have sufficient knowledge i i feel uncomfortable saying that i am a hundred percent sure that something is true or not or um, and i think that's me leaving myself room that you know maybe well i may even caveat that with saying with the current knowledge and with my current understanding yes i'm a hundred percent sure but okay, there might be something that I don't know about. There is certainly something that I don't know about in a lot of different ways, maybe in that particular field too. And maybe there is error in the way I think about the world because if history is any indication, um, most people, most of the time, have made mistakes. Like I don't know any famous or infamous individual in the history that you can name that did everything perfectly. Yes just outright impossible and if they they, and if the written records say that which i I i've never heard of any individual but let's say even if the hidden written records say that you don't know of their hidden lives um and and anyway so so that's what i think i think i don't i don't my point is that i think that's not necessarily a bad thing um although it can have some downfalls in sometimes you seem may may not even because i i know you like you're the you're a humble individual and sometimes you uh, you know you're not comfortable uh, being super confident in your but then like i know you like i know that the grasp of your knowledge is high enough that you if you were an arrogant prick you would be like yeah i'm 100 percent sure get get lost right so 
but then you're not that's that's the whole thing but and how that... i mean i don't understand how you can be like that how you can be 100 percent sure for something doesn't yeah. make sense i mean no, even it's... today we don't we have so many questions even newton dynamics you can question them even people yeah. came out with like a modification of the newton dynamics you can't be 100 percent sure even your observations are like a seem full of fit uh with the models you have no right. i mean you can miss something your brain evolved some millions of years as a result of like a trillions of different paths like a survival tricks like some yeah. extinction etc etc but you're still evolving your brain is yep. still evolving there are lots of you don't know how much room left for your brain that can evolve which Mm -hmm. can be huge which i think can be huge because we are probably far from being like reaching the optimal optimum point i don't even know there's an optimum point i, I don't think so yeah. even that no, no, so, not sure yeah. we, we are like we have full of weaknesses flaws and we are not even sure that our brain is really a good tool even like a perfect tool even understanding nature maybe this is our problem maybe we are not going to be able to solve the universe because our brain is not capable enough of understanding it yeah no that's, that's and, possible. Yeah. no i don't i honestly don't know how you can be that i think it's not the, um being too sure is is um, a byproduct of arrogance that's my guess um like the because the more humble people have seen the less sure they seem uh people who tend to be more humbled who tend to not be arrogant or egotistical um they seem that you know they don't seem like that they lack confidence they're fairly confident but they're very comfortable admitting that i don't know everything and i can't possibly know everything and i may be wrong from time to time and may i may be wrong a lot of the times i think that is um again this is my observation i don't have empirical evidence to back this hypothesis but this is my personal observation the more uh you know grounded people have seen the more humble people have seen um the less they have that ability to be like no this is done this is settled and and let's uh let's take a, a point um, a recent something from a very recent history and that was like during covid the the covid science there was plenty of arrogance from very established um, either scientists or officials um the authorities of science quote unquote um that they were like um saying things that you know this is established science you should believe it this is you no know, this is true the lab leak is not, i'm not saying that it, the, the you know uh covid leaks from the lab but they were not even they were they were treating you as a either stupid or racist if you even questioned it um and i was like how can you be so sure it leaked from not leaked from the lab and it came from nature when you don't even know the source of sort like the origin of species of this thing how can you be so arrogant about it um and then i gave myself the answer i, I was really thinking that and I, I gave myself the answer i was like yeah that's arrogance that's why like there should be no room for arrogance the human arrogance in or any kind of arrogance as a matter of fact but we only know one kind and that's the human arrogance there should be no room for arrogance in science but unfortunately there is so I think that's that. Um, I think that rather being too sure is a symptom of arrogance is or is a byproduct of arrogance. I don't know, but they go together. I think that's what that's the way I see it.
I think this kind of, this is kind of like a defense mechanism. Like yeah. this kind of people, I think probably I'm not sure, of course. Um, yeah. They think lives. that they think that maybe yeah. if there if people start to think that there's a room of questioning their knowledge, it they think in this case they think they're weak. Yeah. So that's why they are pre pretending that they know 100%. Should they become like arrogant? No, you cannot question my knowledge. Yeah. yeah so this is a defense mechanism because they don't want to be seen weak or maybe they, they have a higher position in somewhere. If they, maybe they think that if they seem weak, they can lose their status, they lose their like, position, whatever. Yeah. I think that's the opposite. Yeah. So, okay. I, I completely agree, but I also disagree that it's completely opposite. I think it's kind of the opposite depending on how you, uh, depending on the area, I think. So for, for, um, for somebody who's claiming that they are the authority, like a king or, a, or an emperor or a queen or whatever, right? So that person needs to maintain that authority. So they need to be listened to and accepted, right? Okay. That, so that's that. But that's why I'm saying there should be so that that's of course the and, and they they lose the grasp if they don't they feel that way I, again it's not necessarily true I agree with you if if an emperor or a king was humble and was like you know I'll do my best or even a political leader I do my best to the best of my abilities to lead but I'm a human I'll make mistakes if they admitted that they probably win a lot of votes um, mm -hmm. but that's aside. So, when you're talking about science and technology, um, you know specifically science, because it, uh, in 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 my mind, it represent it should represent something very pure, and remove the elements of human human nature, but rather be uh, a method to evaluate to think essentially, um, and that's why we called it the scientific method, right? It 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 has to leave the interpersonal inter like within the human character human species ugliness out of it uh, of course it's not going to happen because it's just humans um so I, I think that that's exactly that's the specific area that i agree with you it it actually is not if if you're wrong and you admit it that's the sign of strength and and i think people do maybe not consciously understand that themselves or or think about it that way but they really appreciate when you admit mistake because then they can rely on your words. Be like, you know what? This guy is not full of shit. This guy admits when he's wrong. If somebody constantly, when, when they caught in a lie or when they caught in a mistake, they still insist, then how can I trust them? So I think I agree with you. Uh, they just feel that they lose. It's a defense mechanism. They feel like they're losing the grasp on uh, of authority, which is not really true they're they're losing it when they enforce it too harshly um there was a quote i don't remember where i heard it or who i heard it from but basically it was saying power is like sand in your fist the the more you uh try to hold on to it the easier it will spill out of your fist and if you doubt that just go on a beach someday not you anybody who's listening and go grab a because i thought i, I thought about it and i tried it go grab a handful of fists uh, sorry uh, sand and strengthen it tighten your wrist uh, fist rather and squeeze the sand will spill out at some point it will not but then the more you squeeze the more it spills out of your 
your fist. Um, so that's what they're doing. They feel like they have to like hold on to this sand tight and make sure it doesn't spill out of their fist. But then doing that, they're actually squeezing it out of their, their fist because by tightening their fist, they're actually they're occupying the room that the sand should. Ergo, the sand will spill out because their fingers will not you know, break. They're not going to squeeze that tight. Um, anyways, so, so I agree with you. Um, but the issue is that the thinking is wrong, I think. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I, I think the root of this behavior is probably we can investigate, like we can discuss it in an evolutionary way. Yeah. Probably because of the past, like not too long, like, like if you go to, to check the history, even go like a, the ancestors, mm -hmm. um, being sure is probably this is about like a like a living or death issue life or death issue basically you have to be sure for a couple of things really because otherwise you can die i mean somebody can right okay hug oh. you. so maybe it, it is rooted somewhere there this kind of behavior because you it, it instinctively you want to think that you're sure you have to be sure yes you you but want this to is be... like a, you have to strong you have to yes. seem but... strong because if you're not so sure, you remain indecisive, and that's can of be course, that's, yeah. it's worse than being so sure in the yeah. past, like in an evolutionary point of view, probably. So, but, so sorry, this, sorry, interrupting yeah, yeah, you, but sorry, what no, no, I no. was thinking is that, like, when I was saying the opposite is better, like mm -hmm. not being sure, I was just thinking in the future. So, we already evolved, we already have some complex understanding, we already are not in the part of nature anymore we don't we are not scared of like hunted by like a tiger on the way but so we are even like uh, not naturally but like artificially selected because yep. we have health system everybody is surviving mm -hmm. so future because we we don't have these issues anymore which is good which means that we have a long way to ahead of us that can focus only on uh humans future like including science technology etc so we're also like complex enough to think about our thoughts we are a yeah. machine that can question itself mm. and so we are at this level and so we can start acting like in a mental like a, in it we have to start thinking that we have lots of rooms that we can improve ourselves mm -hmm. and we can learn a lot we don't need to be so sure for everything we are not yep. gonna die yeah yeah so this is where i classify actually I, I have this because i've thought about this and i i wasn't thinking about it right now but i have thought about this in the past i actually have uh i call it um i mean i don't have a literal definition out there but i have internal definition i call it th these are two different things though one is how sure I am in theory versus how sure I am theory, uh, sorry, uh, practically. So how sure I am in theory? Okay, in theory, nobody's chasing me. I have all the time in the world to doubt myself. In, in, in practice, in real life, when you're facing life or death or, or matters of extreme importance that can be very costly, either um, um, monetary or, or uh, you know, uh, matter of life and literally matter of life and death then 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 it becomes important so then when it's in practice then i think you should basically act on the best information you have mm -hmm. that's it mm -hmm. uh, uh like 
the highest confidence degree you have about anything, you just act on it. That's it. You're done. You don't need to think uh, think it twice or three times. Um, my point is that you can, I, I agree with you, it's probably an, uh, something evolved in us, but you can still, even in the, that environment, in a chaotic West uh, West world or, or even, yeah. uh, uh, you know, um, uh, rules of the jungle kind of thing, you can still uh, have this element of I'm not so sure about everything and still survive so long as you're like, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm 90% sure. And that 90% is above everything else I'm sure about. So I'm going to act on that knowledge. That's fine. That'll that'll get you out of it. And actually, actually, that probably gets you out of it the best. Because you're not acting on a random information. You're acting on the information that you have the highest confidence in. Um, you're, you're most sure about, basically. But you don't have to say, I'm 100% sure about that. You just have to be like, I'm sure enough that I'm going to act on it. And then the question comes, okay, now I'm sure about something 90% and you're sure about something somewhat number of a percent. And we have to do one or the other. And then we get into a fight. <laughs> about who's more mm -hmm. sure um so it becomes messy i understand uh that's what i'm trying to say but but anyway so that's a theoretical um uh, doubting of yourself and then the practical being sure of yourself it's um, um yes i agree sometimes being mm -hmm. indecisive because when you don't choose that's a choice sometimes people don't choose because they're terrified of their choice and then that's the choice itself um, they don't choose because if they feel if they don't choose, they are they can't make a mistake. But then that's the mistake itself because by not choosing, you're choosing. Um, anyways, not to get too philosophical, but mm. uh, I agree. I think it's 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 evolved to be in us because if we weren't so sure, then uh, we were indecisive. Um, we would be eaten by bears and tigers and such. So yeah, and also I think we just recently learned what is what does that mean that being sure. I think yeah. it's it it just came with the, like a science and technology Perhaps understanding about how we can so sure about something. That this came with some philosophical philosophical questions because other I than actually, that, before know. how we can question about being sure because you don't know what it what is it. I mean, being sure. What does that mean? Before think, than that, I think um, there is a meaning before science in the past like okay if we take it to before 2000 years before like a philosophical let's go to antique uh, greek 10, like, uh, oh but, yeah. but the greeks were, would do the same thing they would uh disprove each other right they would but by yeah, but, methods. but they were doing science still I, I grant that but let's go even further back let's go ten thousand years ago i think there was a degree of being sure and unsure and i think that was linked to discovery because let's say a caveman that went out of the cave and they were debating it's like no, I'm sure there's something beyond this hill. I got to go see it. And the other guy was like, how can you be so sure? I don't know. Like, there is nothing beyond that hill. And you're going to die. And we're going to starve in the cave because you're the hunter. So I think no, there was... No, sorry. I, I don't agree. I think that okay. my, kind of my story is like a guy who is like a strongest one on, on this like a society that they had. Just decides instinctively. Everybody follows. There was a no debate, probably. Right. But, but then I he mean, can personally be shown that he his confidence was false for example he's sure that there is a you know there's nothing beyond the hill uh but then to prove himself he goes and then he learns oh there's something beyond the hill so i was wrong yeah um, i agree i agree probably like on a, a personal kind level. of like an initial level of being sure being very minor sure, yeah. they didn't question it they yes, didn't no, know this no, no, is no. 
I don't I think you may be right. I think it's it started from the ancient Greeks when they started philosophizing and thinking yeah. semi scientifically. Yes. I think I think because you, you have right. different information to be understand okay for the same concept we have two ideas. Okay, which one is correct? Then you can think about okay, how we can be so sure about which one is uh, more correct I mean compared to yeah others. maybe they, they, I, you need a comparison for ideas at least yeah yeah I don't I know think, like I mean I'm just I think like, I think for that as far as we know at least as far as I personally know I think for that you have to we can only go as far as the ancient Greeks probably I yeah, think probably, you may yeah. be right we cannot or maybe we just don't know about it because it, it wasn't well documented who knows yeah again mm -hmm. I'm not sure you never know i mean you know you have to go there and observe it <laughs> even then you know yeah because <laughs> we are we are creating stories based on our findings from yeah. like a fossils etc etc like a drawings on the yep. cave they're all good models but they are stories still like yeah. uh, backed by evidences but that everything can be can still satisfy like all these findings but in a different way too you never know you have to go there and observe it with a time mm -hmm. machine which is not possible but yeah i mean that's that's what all, all i got all we got yeah and uh, you know these are very interesting questions and i think we should explore them more and i'm very happy that we're going to do this okay so for the audience who are wondering we will be doing more of these kinds of um episodes now this was introductory for us to you know discuss with Turtle, get to know uh, him and uh, who he is, where he came from academically, because not that not in the sense that academic academia is very important, but because uh, first of all you spend a lot of your life there, and second of all because I think that kind of tells you what your interests are, where you're coming from, where your perspective is at. So. So this was the you know introductory episode, but we'll continue these discussions, uh, probably from uh, maybe a little bit more narrowed and talk about specific things in the future episodes. Uh, but for now, uh, before we come to a close, is there something you want to talk about, whether about yourself or about what we talked about or about anything really, uh, before we close for, for this episode? No. No, um, I mean, okay. I was, I enjoyed this a lot, so I'm just looking Thanks. forward to other episodes that we can discuss a lot. Yeah. But I, I wasn't expecting to talk about Cayman. Me neither. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. I think um, I do like some structure in the in the podcasts, uh, but I don't. And I know everybody has a different, um, you know, style. And I like those who are super structured and those who are completely unstructured. But for myself, I like to be surprised in my conversations um, in a way that, as you said, I didn't expect to be talking <laughs> about Caymans. So, um, yeah. so anyways. Chaos. It's good. Yeah, <laughs> there is a degree of chaos and too much control may ruin it uh, <laughs> a little bit, just just that it's ordered enough that it makes sense. Okay, so with that, um, thank you all for listening and thank you, Thurul, for joining us with the promise of many more of these yep. kinds of episodes. Sure, of course, of course. I'm looking yes. forward to it. Thank you. Fantastic. And thank you all for tuning in. Uh, tune in for more episodes in the weeks uh, and months to come. Cheers, everybody. Bye. Mm -hmm.